On today's episode of Real Life Pharmacology, I'm going to talk about one of my favorite drugs called Phenytoin. The brand name of Phenytoin is Dilantin, and it's got a lot of clinical pearls that you have to know. I've seen Dilantin toxicity, Phenytoin toxicity, due to lack of understanding on the part of uh, physicians, nurse practitioners, and, and other healthcare professionals. Um, so definitely uh, pay attention here today. I'm going to talk about some uh, really important things as far as uh, pharmacology, pharmacokinetics, and pharmacodynamics. So first off, the mechanism of action. It's kind of one of those older, uh, dirtier type drugs that, that can kind of do a few different things. Maybe the mechanism isn't totally um, perfectly well understood. Uh, bottom line, it, it kind of stabilizes neurons and is used for uh, epilepsy and, and management of seizures. And it does that by primarily altering uh, sodium movement kind of across the cell, um, which ends up uh, kind of managing and, and stabilizing that cell membrane and kind of preventing that reactivity which may uh, contribute or cause a seizure. As far as side effects go with Dilantin, one way I remember this medication is I do think of alcohol toxicity. So if you've ever seen somebody that's had a little too much to drink, uh, ataxia, so difficulty um, walking, maybe shuffling, poor gait, things like that, uh, confusion, um, slurred speech, another example there that can happen. Um, ultimately can lead to, you know, passing out if it gets that severe. Um, another thing you may see is uh, GI side effects, um, nausea, stomach upset, things like that. Uh, for um, other maybe not necessarily toxic level side effects, uh, rarely you may see liver function changes with phenytoin, so you may see uh, LFTs or liver function tests being monitored. Vitamin D deficiency is kind of a unique uh, adverse effect or potential adverse effect with phenytoin, so that's one to um, kind of put in your, your piggy bank there of, of memory that uh, potentially patients on chronic phenytoin for seizure prevention may need a little bit extra boost as far as vitamin D supplementation goes. So uh, certainly something to think about there. Uh, rarely a gingival hyperplasia. This is basically this excessive overgrowth of the of the mouth tissue, gingival tissue. Uh, so that's another important one to um, kind of think about, one that I've definitely seen come up on uh, exams and various things of, of that nature. One thing I do have to, to point out with phenytoin is this drug is highly protein-bound. So within the blood, you've got proteins floating around. And primarily how we can kind of test and, and measure uh, that protein in the blood is through measuring albumin. So that is a uh, protein uh, in the blood. And as that albumin goes down, so that maybe in states of malnourishment, um, probably most often you're going to see it in our elderly, frail uh, geriatric patients where you may have a low albumin. But as that albumin drops, with phenytoin, you have a higher 
free fraction of drug available. Because remember, that drug binds up that albumin. And when that drug is bound to the albumin, it can't act and, and do its thing and um, help prevent seizures and or um, cause toxicity. But as that albumin drops, we can run into the situation where a patient may have pretty normal total levels of drug, which normal levels usually run in the range of, of 10 to 20, but that may really be misleading if a patient has low albumin. So even if those levels look pretty normal, they can still be displaying signs and symptoms of toxicity. And if that albumin is very low, that may um, be more likely to, to happen in that setting. So you will see some clinicians order what's called a free level, uh, maybe a little bit more expensive as far as lab work goes um, compared to getting just a, a total level. But we can get a bit more accurate assessment potentially uh, with that free level. So there is also a kind of correction factor or a um, uh, scale that, or an equation, excuse me, that we can use to um, factor in that albumin level. Maybe a little less accurate than doing a, a free, um, free level, but it is a, a tool that we can uh, potentially use. Um, which I'm not going to get into to too much detail on that, but there is a kind of an adjustment um, equation that we can um, use based upon that, that albumin. One other really important thing about um, pharmacokinetics and pharmacodynamics in relation to phenytoin is that there is a liver enzyme saturation process with phenytoin. So it does not follow usual kinetics of drugs and elimination of medications. So this enzyme saturation thing, what happens clinically is this means that patients can have very small increases of the dose and they can have very large increases in concentrations. So that's basically what the, the clinical result is. So if you've got somebody stabilized and, you know, maybe their level is, um, you know, their total level is maybe 8 to 10, kind of right on that borderline low end, and they've got no seizures, they're doing great. Well, if, if a clinician, and this is where I've seen clinicians screw up, um, if you see a clinician see a slightly low level and they try to increase the dose, and the situations I've seen that have led to hospitalization was a, a patient was on, I believe, 200 milligrams once a day, and level was checked, and the level was slightly low, and the provider ended up doubling the dose, and it led to phenytoin toxicity and led to a hospitalization state. And that's due to that liver enzyme saturation process, where the enzymes that break down the drug Basically, they get all bound up by the drug, and we re reach this certain threshold where anything we kind of add above and beyond that, uh, we can really increase uh, blood concentrations of phenytoin really, really quickly. And that's called Michaelis-Menten kinetics. That's kind of a classic test question I've seen associated with uh, phenytoin as well. Please take the time to support our sponsor, meded101.com. You can go to meded101.com slash store and kind of check out the uh, educational resources, clinical pearls, um, test prep materials that we have there. 
uh, certainly um, will be very helpful in preparing you for uh, exams and, of course, uh, the most important thing in real life as well. So with that said, uh, let's get back into drug interactions. So with drug interactions, phenytoin has a lot of them. Tons and tons of drug interactions with phenytoin. And first off, it is kind of an enzyme inducer, phenytoin is. So it can lower the concentrations of other medications. Um, kind of like I mentioned with the vitamin D uh, deficiency, phenytoin, because it stimulates those enzymes to break things down, um, stimulating that vitamin D metabolism can break that down quicker and lead to uh, lower concentrations. Um, there are other drugs that can impact phenytoin concentrations, and this might be a little bit more concerning, again, kind of depending upon the, the situation there. But um, I remember seeing a case of fluconazole being added for a yeast infection. Uh, I think it was a severe yeast infection. They were given fluconazole for 14 days straight ended up putting a patient into dilantin toxicity. So fluconazole is a classic 3A4 inhibitor and raised the concentrations of phenytoin and led to um, GI symptoms, confusion, CNS symptoms, and things of that nature. Uh, one other pearl that I, I forgot to mention that's always associated with dilantin as part of the adverse effect toxicity profile is vertical nystagmus. So this is kind of the, the shaking of the eyes up and down, or kind of the sh shifty eyes up and down. And you may see that um, in patients that have uh, high enough phenytoin concentrations in the, the blood. So um, one kind of aside, but definitely wanted to, to alert you to that. Uh, other drugs that you may see interacting with phenytoin, Obviously, you got to think of any drugs that are kind of CNS depressants because phenytoin does that. Phenytoin can cause sedation, um, CNS changes like confusion. So any drugs that are sedating, they can kind of pile on top of phenytoin and potentially um, increase that risk. If you've got a patient that's an alcoholic, for example, another probably not that safe situation to use alcohol with a medication like this. Uh, other 3A4 inhibitors that I kind of classically think about that could raise those phenytoin concentrations, uh, amiodarone, uh, cimetidine, an H2 blocker that's very seldom used, um, fluvoxamine, and SSRI. Again, ton of drug interactions through 3A4 there. So lots of clinical pearls with phenytoin. Uh, I hope you found this helpful. Uh, go leave us a, a review, a rating on, on iTunes. We'd certainly appreciate it. Uh, also, I have that free uh, 200, top 200 drug study guide. It's a 31-page PDF document. You aren't going to find many resources uh, like that that uh, are free. So that's just for subscribers. I, I update you on uh, new blog posts and other things going on um, when you uh, give us your email. is simply all that we ask for there in return uh, for that, uh, nice little study guide with highly, highly testable pearls. So go check that out. Reallifepharmacology.com. Uh, I'm going to sign off here, let you guys have a, a good rest of your day. And I can't thank you enough for, uh, listening and, and following the podcast. Take care and have a good day.